This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Hello, everyone. This is Craig Patterson. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, and I'm also the host of this week's special edition Retail Insider Podcast. This week, we've got a guest, uh, Charles de Brabant. I hope I pronounced that right. He's the Executive Director of the Benzedun School of Retail at McGill University in Montreal. Charles, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here, and you did you did not a bad job on pronouncing the name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So we're going to talk a little bit about retail, um, what's ha- what was happening and uh, what's happening now and, and uh, what's happening in the future. We're going to talk a bit about China, which is an interesting case study as uh, their recovery is a little bit ahead of ours. But uh, Charles, tell me a little bit about um, uh, what were we seeing in the retail industry in Canada prior to uh, this COVID-19 store shutdown? I think we were seeing a uh, paradoxical type of situation where um, you, we, I think 2019, both in Canada and the U.S., saw a record number of closures, but still a, a healthy industry, which over the last five years has pretty much grown by about 12, uh, two, two times the GDP, sorry, not 12, but two times the GDP, about 4%, both in the U.S. and Canada. Canada didn't have as good of a year in 2019 as, as it did in previous years, but still over the last five years, probably compound annual growth rates of about 4%. Um, but yet there is this notion of, of, of a record number of store closures. So that's, is the, the, the paradox. And, and we see an industry in, in, or we saw an industry, let me just say in full transformation. Um, and, and one of the most innovative, right? Right. I mean, before I even get into the, where the extremes were going, um, you know, you look, you look at Lululemon and in, in, in Canada, you know, Canada was performing pretty well in terms of brands, Indigo, Simons, uh, Couchard, obviously in the convenience, convenience store space, Dollarama, probably the best performing dollar business. Um, you also have the D2C businesses like Bonluc, uh, good food in the meal kits. And um, we're probably one of the strongest nations in the world in terms of uh, supporting the ecosystem uh, with companies like Shopify, which most people would know, or the darling IPO of, of, of 2019, at least in the retail space, so Lightspeed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and maybe the darling one in, in 2020, possibly Coveo out of Quebec City, uh, looking at AI, so, uh, using AI around consumer behavior. So. Um, I think we've got a lot, very innovative space, or we did, or I don't know. We'll see what happens afterwards. Um, and the, the, the thing that the thing that you got is you got your, the the world going into two extremes. One was an efficiency and convenience extreme, convenience extreme dominated by Walmart, Amazon, dollar stores, Kushta, etc. Um, and then on the flip side, you had uh, the experience space, uh, which was much more segmented and fragmented. So it would go from a, a Starbucks, Nike, Lululemon, all the way down to uh, a, a local community store, giving you a ex- really ex- exciting experience as a bookstore or as a at-home decor store. Um, and, and, and obviously D2C players also that, that are, were progressively moving into um, uh, physical retail, um, which meant that everything stuck in the middle was, was, was in trouble, was dying. Um, and that, I think, explains a lot of the store closures. And, and we're going towards an omni-channel uh, environment. 
And the last thing I just wanted to say is that we were already seeing shifts in leadership at that point towards, you know, being a lot more agile, being a lot more data savvy, being a lot more branding driven uh, and community uh, driven um, and, 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 you know, being a lot more savvy in terms of investments and, and making big bets in order to transform their business. So it was, it was a really kind of a exciting time and, and clearly COVID-19 threw a curveball into that, um, to say the very least. It sure did. Um, we've had stores now, uh, well, I should say non-essential retail as deemed by governments, um, you know, shut for several weeks now, uh, which is really made things interesting. Now we're starting to see announcements um, and plans to open retail in different parts of Canada. It's going to be staggered depending on the province. Uh, um, you know, parts of, you know, of May, we're going to see, you know, certain markets allow retail to open. Uh, as we start to see stores reopening across the country uh, over the spring and summer, um, what do you expect to see in terms of changes and how uh, we interact with physical spaces and uh, how that's going to play into um, e-commerce as we just talked about Omnichannel as well? Yeah, well, um, uh, clearly, um, uh, omni-channel. I'm sorry, online retailing is, has has exploded throughout this crisis. There's just a, a report uh, that Accenture just published saying that 32% of all purchases during the crisis were online at a global level. Um, I don't have the Canada statistics, but at a global level, and the and the and the intent as the economy opens up is to increase purchases to 37%. Part of that 32% would be a lot higher had uh, companies been able to fulfill their online commitments. Uh, I, I think, you know, trying to get an online uh, order on, on Metro or Provigo or, or IGA or Loblaws is virtually impossible. Uh, Lufa Farms, for instance, a, a local supplier of, of, of uh, fresh produce in Montreal has totally closed down their online ordering. So it would be a lot higher than, than, than that. Now, if I go to the, to the physical store uh, side of things, um, I think there are challenges that everybody's talking about moving forward is, is that, you know, the, the safety hygiene um, issues that, and regulations that are going to be put in place that are going to regulate the hours, regulate the numbers, regulate the way that it happens, and, and just the sheer fear of going into a, a physical environment for, for a, a segment of the pop, I mean, you know, a segmentation of the population from a behavioral standpoint mm -hmm. um, will make, will make it uh, difficult for, for people to go back into the physical environment. No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm even a little bit concerned about going into some stores, which is silly because I go grocery shopping once a week. That's like my one time going out. <laughs> and if I could just add one, just one point on that, I, I think McKinsey made a, an interesting point in, in a recent study that they did. And they, they didn't you know, the, the saying was, how can my online presence help my offline channels? So my physical channels mm -hmm. and, and we're getting a potentially a, a seismic shift to the other way around. How can my physical stores help my online sales? Um, now that won't be the, the case for every business, but it is a, a fundamental paradigm shift as we move forward and maybe an accelerator of what was already in play, in play before. Yeah. I wonder what percentage of retail sales are going to go online. Um, I was talking to retail council of Canada and we were looking at around a 10% number in Canada. A couple of years ago, it was about 7% and it's 
you know, gone up a little bit each year. But uh, I've heard some reports that we may have seen more than a doubling already in e- in e-commerce. Uh, um, uh, well, that may not be accurate because so many stores are closed, but we've seen a doubling in the usage of e-commerce, I guess you'd say, uh, compared to before, if not more. So even despite the fact that, you know, people like me have given up trying to buy groceries online because it takes two to three weeks just to get your order. Yeah, so so it's, uh, you're absolutely right. And um, it's, 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 you know, uh, fascinating. I go back to that statistics, 32% globally, I would assume, are, are, are you know, during covid um, during the pandemic and, and intent going up to 37%, um, 32% is probably double the global average if you take into consideration China and Asia, which are more advanced, or the UK or the US, which are were more advanced than Canada. So it wouldn't surprise me that, that Canada would go you know, very easily from 7 8% to, to close to 20%. Um, if it follows a trend uh, elsewhere. So I don't have the exact numbers, but it just just seems to be how people are reacting right now. Oh, it'll be interesting to see because uh, we are seeing, I think, an acceleration and change right now. Um, you know, it's uh, for, for, you know, depending it's for the better, but certainly we have seen some, I think, you know, shifts uh, already in consumer behavior and it's becoming habit forming. But uh, uh, you wrote an article for us, which was excellent, by the way. Thank you so much. Uh, we published it uh, in mid-April and uh, uh, you were talking about China, what was happening there. Um, tell me a little bit about your insights into what's happening in China, um, you know, as it claims to have, uh, you know, essentially recovered from this COVID-19 pandemic, which uh, they're saying has started and uh, did start in China. Well, I, I think I, I'd be a little bit cautious to use the, the word uh, recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Chinese are, are extremely cautious of the second wave, um, uh, as, as, as is the rest of the world. Um, I think what, what, what you see in China is that uh, I think they're well ahead of the world in, in terms of safety and hygiene, partly because of lessons learned in terms of behaviors from SARS or, or, or all the N1H1 and, and all the, 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 well, some of them affected the rest of the world, but China was certainly the most impacted of all countries at the time. And on top of that, they have all these technological tracking tools in terms of social behavior on the other one and contact tracing on the other, which is just, you know, which, which doesn't seem to bother the, 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 the Chinese from, a, from an invasion of, of, of data privacy and, 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 and personal privacy. Um, so, so, so that's one of the first things. The, the, the second element, which is a positive sign, is that 55% of Chinese consumers are, are confident that the, the economy will recover, which is the highest in the world, as per uh, a McKinsey uh, report that I was talking about, mm-hmm. um, which compares to 41% in the US and, and, and 20% in Canada, which is very comparable to the rest of Europe. Um, and in that context, now 90% of retail is open. So you're looking at that, they've got safety covered, they've got stores reopened, and they've got confident consumers. So you'd be like, wow, that is the recipe to go full hog back into to, uh, retail as it was. Plus, the other added thing I would say is that I think their purchasing power has gone down or will have gone down less than in the Western world. I, I, I don't have the exact data, but I think that that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but purchase intent, doesn't seem to be particularly there, at least at this stage of the recovery. So what you're seeing is that, you know, a a desire to increase in 10 out of 32 categories of consumption that they, that, 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 that McKinsey was tracking. Um, And that, that looks a lot like what it was pre COVID. So, so groceries, 
uh, personal hygiene and wellness, um, uh, pets and children, uh, at-home entertainment, uh, health and wellness, uh, and, and as they start driving cars again, um, uh, petrol. But, but that means the 22 other categories that involve probably a lot more social interaction like restaurants, entertainment, and, and, uh, and apparel to, to are, are, are still, uh, the purchase intent is below what it was uh, previously. So, so I think that that's, uh, that's an important consideration. Um, now, to end on a, on a more positive note, e-commerce totally growing there. Um, I think Hema, for instance, the, 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 the Amazon Go of, 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 uh, of Alibaba, mm. uh, although it's not exactly the same type of concept, had online uh, you know, uh, orders going up by 220%. So online is booming. Um, and anything to do with online channels, not just uh, purchasing channels, like live streaming sessions on, on WeChat or, or Taobao of, of fashion shows or key influencers showing things off and then you can eventually buy from there. I've really, you know, people have been utilizing that. Brands like Nike have done that. And then any way to engage, um, surprise, delight, and show care for consumers. Supposedly, just on that particular thing, if they, some brands that have used the WeChat channel to reach out to, to customers to see how they were doing, just to say hello have rebounded better hmm. um, or celebrating our heroes, which is what happened on Mother's Day through a, a Chinese beauty brand called Chengdo, um, where they, they, there's a movie called Mulan, which is, uh, I don't know if you've seen the animated Mulan, but they're doing a non-animated version under Disney. And she was a, a, a historical um, celebrity or hero. And, and now they're doing the modern day Mulans and they got 8 million views of their short film. So I think there, there's some positives, but it's, it's, it's tr overall pretty troubling news, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then um, I think there's some news reports about a Hermes store in Guangzhou. Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly there's all the pent up demand and, and there's still a lot of money in China and people were locked up. And first day that the Guangzhou store opened, they made close to $3 million in sales and I think it was on April 11th if I'm not mistaken or somewhere around there that, that, that they reopened the store so and, and I hear that uh, last weekend or the weekend before uh, the Louis Vuitton stores were doing incredibly well so that whole pent-up demand uh, on the luxury side and on top of that since these people can't travel Chinese were so important to the luxury industry um, or to a lot of industries through their travelers uh, are not traveling. So they're going to increase their consumption locally. Yeah, I think they're saying by 2025, the Chinese consumer would be consuming about 50% of luxury goods around the world. I might be wrong with that, but it was very, very substantial. Well, they, they, they might even get there sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe now. Yeah, I mean, they're the only ones that have money to shop. And they'll, and they'll do it in China because, you know, you go to places like, say, Paris or uh, Milan or Rome or um, London or Vancouver, uh, you know, Sydney, the, Honolulu, the, you know, we see many Chinese shoppers there. I mean, with the travel restrictions we're seeing right now, which may extend into 2021 from what I'm hearing right now. I mean, we may see an explosion of retail sales in China, be it luxury or otherwise. Um, and we may see a significant decrease uh, in all the other parts of the world where perhaps uh, they may have traveled to. 
I think that that that, that touches another thing that's happening in China, and, and and for for maybe different reasons, but 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 seems to be a trend that we can talk about a little bit later. But is this notion notion of patriotism and nationalism and, and community driven spirit? Um, there's clearly an indication that they're gonna they're gonna buy more local national brands on the one hand. Uh, and then secondly, if I look at uh, consumer uh, community supermarket sales, they increased by 150% during the crisis. Wow. And, and, I, and I think there's, there's a big trust factor in that that we can come back to a little bit later. But I think that's an interesting data point also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the article that you wrote, and as well as what we've just been discussing here a bit, uh, saying that China was better prepared than North America in terms of its recovery. Um, what do you think a recovery in Canada is going to look like? And um, if there's any sort of like maybe a guesstimate timeline uh, that we might be looking at as we start to see provinces uh, announcing some, you know, tentative openings? Well, it's, it's, it's starting to open right now, right? I think, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, Manitoba is going to open uh, next week and, and uh, depending on some of the provinces, Quebec's already opened certain things. Uh, and, and, and are planning to do uh, do so. And, and uh, um, I mean, I think we're all going to be opening up, uh, all the provinces are going to be opening up relatively soon. Um, now, what we do see is I go back to this notion of, of consumer confidence, right? It's, it, which is uh, at 41, 55% in, in, in the recovery. So if I look at China, 55%, if I look at US, 41%, and if I look at Canada, 20%. So that's, that to me is a worrying statistic. What also worries me is, is, the, is the American number, not, not because this was done a couple of weeks ago at 41%, but I am extremely worried in the way that the US is behaving right now in terms of, of, of having a coordinated reopening of, of their economy and their retail space. Um, I think there's a real lack of coordination in terms of leadership that you don't have in Canada. But the issue is the US is just so important to, to, to the world from a retail standpoint. And, 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 and so that if, 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 if um, the U.S. starts to do badly, that can have a real impact on, on consumer confidence, even in, in Canada, and a ripple effect, and, and on retailers who are Canadian retailers who are selling in, in, in the U.S. market. Um, so uh, that that worries me. And then if I look at, uh, I think we're going to see a um, a decrease in purchasing power, as as as, as I was talking about. Um, and then there's, there's, you know, there's a number of issues on, on cash flow management, uh, moving forwards and, and supply chain challenges. And, and we're, we're in the food industry and in food retailing, what's happening in the U S with Smithfields and, 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 and Tyson is, 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 you know, going to pose some questions as to, um, the whole supply chain of, of, of even food. We were talking about apparel because that was coming out of, you know, Bangladesh or China or whatever, but we're getting, we're getting starting to sense some tensions in the, in the food. Um, and, uh, you know, and then bringing back employees. So I'm, I'm being the negative right now. I'll, I'll bring in some rays of hope afterwards. So, so, so bear with me on the, on, on the challenges because I think they're just a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to, to a, a retailer uh, yesterday or food outlet yesterday or a couple of days ago, and one of the things they were saying is, is I want to start bringing back employees, but we took a very 
different approach than the Europeans did in North America. Mm-hmm. We laid off our employees. Yes, we backtracked a little bit and sort of said, okay, no, we're going to put in policies in place to, to, to allow you to keep employees. But because it's so difficult to fire people in Europe, so in France, you'd probably have to give three-month notice and, and, and due cause and everything else, it, it would have been so painful to do so that they've done everything possible to keep them employed. Uh, now in the retail industry where you have generally low paying jobs and you're getting your 2000 or $2,600 a month in, in the U.S., um, where's the incentive to come back? You're probably making more money than you were before. You're scared to come back. Um, you're probably no longer where you were because you might have been students in, in a given location. You've now gone home and you might not, you can't go back, um, at least not yet. So I have, in the retail industry, I'm really worried about the ability to bring back employees. That might bode well for a progressive opening. So now, having said all that bad stuff, let me just give some, or not, not, not necessarily bad stuff, but challenging news. Let me give some, some, some rays of hope, uh, I think. Um, one is obviously efficiency and convenience retailers will come out of this stronger than they, they were before. And that's not just Walmart and Amazon. That's, that's all our uh, Canadian players like Loblaws or, or Sobeys or Metro Group, uh, Dollarama will probably come out stronger, Kushta, et cetera. So, uh, and, and, and that, that'll, so, so, at, and at the same time, um, you know, people are saying there's going to be this tremendous consolidation of retail power around that space. But that leaves a whole bunch of white space available. And, and I think that experience-based retail um, that has sufficient cash flow uh, will be able to, and strong branding and community engagement will be able to, to, to bounce back. And, and, and I'm seeing a whole bunch of interesting business models that are being tested in, in certain environments where they can test during the, the COVID crisis. And, and there's a whole, uh, an acceleration of trends that you're seeing. One is health, health and wellness from a personal standpoint. So anything that has to do with that was already, was growing both online and I would assume it will continue offline when we, when we go back. Um, at home activities, anything to do with that will continue cooking and stuff like that will continue to, to, to grow as a category. And that might means that, you know, People will buy much higher end pans to do cooking at home than they did in the past. Um, uh, you know, and then moving away from ownership to rental as purchasing power goes down, probably the rental business is, is, is a great opportunity. And there seems to be this whole notion around the environment, health, and I go back to this notion of community. Um, it, 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 in, in an Accenture recent study that I was alluding to, uh, 23% of, of, uh, of consumers are increasing their local purchases and, 20, and 22% are increasing their, their national brand purchases, uh, whereas the rest is, is stagnating or go, going down. So there is, in my view, huge opportunities there. Um, you, um, Charles, you had a few interesting case studies that you brought forward uh, that we want to talk about quickly. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, what you're seeing around uh, some of these shifts right now. Well, if I, I'm going to try and focus on Canada because there's obviously some interesting ones all, all over the world. So um, let me try and, and focus on Canada. But I mean, 
you know, Lululemon and Calvin McDonald have made some pretty great announcement in, in positioning themselves to take advantage of what's going to happen, not only because they can, they, they're in, they're present in, in China also, so that, that you know, and they, and they have a, a, a strong balance sheet and cash flow. But, uh, you know, clearly they're in the right space because loungewear at home wear, leisure wear, exercise wear is really what most people are wearing right now. Um, and, uh, and then they're offering virtual classes. So for, for, for their yoga, which is, which is a, which is a big trend. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily want to talk about non-Canadian brands, but Peloton or the mirror have seen their sales double, um, since the beginning of this, this, this pandemic. Um, so then if, and then, you know, I, I get the sense now I'm not entirely sure, but I think that Heather Eastman and Indigo are doing great things in, in, in uh, I haven't followed their sales, but I do get the sense that in following what they're doing, you know, on, on, online with books and learning and gaming and stuff like that, they're in a beautiful space and, and, and they've always, you know, been a brand that I, I've admired. Um, if, I, if I go more locally and, and more into the food space, and, and there there's been some incredible experiments because it's partly essential and non-essential goods, of, of, uh, partly essential retail and non-essential retail. So from one extreme, the, the grocery businesses to, to, uh, to uh, food retailers. But um, uh, if I look at a company like Hector Larrivé or, or Can-Am that used to do B2B grocery sales, uh, they saw their entire business disappear they've become B2C retailers wow. online. Cafe Barista, which is, is, is a uh, coffee business that was principally selling B2B, uh, had about 10% of their sales uh, B2C are seeing, they, they're seeing their, their, their B2C sales quadruple. Um, you know, high-end restaurants are suddenly bringing their fine dining experience into the home, which they would never have done, I don't think any other way, or or meal kits. So, so I think of a, a prepared meal kit called Food Relay that was principally serving the corporate community is now serving individuals. So I think these are great examples of businesses that have pivoted extremely quickly. I know, I mean, Lululemon is building off, off existing strengths, but but other businesses that I've just talked about are, are totally pivoting their, their, their fundamental premise of their business to take advantage of, of opportunities in order to survive and, and even thrive. Mm-hmm. Well, that is interesting. I've seen quite a few businesses uh, pivoting and doing all kinds of things from making face masks and hand sanitizer to um, in the case of Duer, we ran an article on that retailer recently. Um, they, you know, reevaluated how they determine demand. So it's almost a crowdsourced, you know, um, do you like this item? It's kind of a pre-order, then they make it. And uh, instead of having a lot of excess inventory, they, uh, you know, make what they're going to sell essentially. So there's a lot of really interesting innovation out there. Um, yeah, sorry, I should, I should have, I should have highlighted the, 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 the do good part, which is really, really important. And, 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 and that do good part can be pivoting part of your business. So it could be making hand sanitizers to making face masks to making, uh, you know, if, if you, if I've taken a, an example outside Canada, but Dyson, uh, which does uh, vacuum these the most amazing sort of coolest vacuum cleaners, it would seem very logical that they could get into the respiratory space. I mean, I'm not an expert on that, but uh, it just seems technically logical, probably easier for them to do that than asking general motors to do it. Yeah. Uh, for instance, and they probably make it a lot better and more innovative and look cool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Everyone's going to want one for their home. <laughs> 
And uh, jumping back into the McKinsey study a little bit, uh, I mean, you know, one of the things that did surprise me was that Canada's, uh, you know, confidence in a recovery was about half of that of Americans. I mean, we share the longest, you know, uh, unsecured unsecured or, you know, border in the world, uh, uh, you know, we watch, you know, similar television and whatnot, and we watch TV, you know, like, we're, we're more similar in a lot of ways than people realize. But uh, do you have any idea why Canadians are so pessimistic, pessimistic, and how, you know, this might affect our recovery, because, you know, some of it is mental. Well, this this goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier about this 41% a few weeks ago, I, I, I'm starting to wonder whether uh, Americans will be I, I just think they're just showing at this stage, and it, it could completely change mm -hmm. fragmented leadership, which is which is creating great fear in people. I mean, when you have the state of Georgia decides with you know against what his biggest ally uh, Donald Trump is saying, uh, what his his medical experts are saying, what the mayor of Atlanta is saying, um, you're you're not instilling confidence and you're one of the first states to go out there if there's ever a second wave or that occurs in georgia you know this this is this is going to be disastrous for consumer confidence um so that that's on the u.s level i think it's fragile in the u.s to be perfectly honest i'd be interested to see if they did an updated study whether it's whether it's how whether whether it's moved at all now um i, I think americans have always been a lot more confident in the future you know, I, I, I think, you know, you, you, every time you question an American, how, how, how are things going? Oh, great. Everything's fantastic. Everything's, you know, go, go, go. Um, I, I think Canadians are a lot more humble and, 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 and realistic about things. And, and, and I don't, I don't think it's, um, um, I, I think, and as a result, they're more realistic in, in, in looking into the future. I'm not sure that that will impact, the, in the end, consumer sales uh, as dramatically as this two-to-one ratio in, in consumer confidence. Um, I, I, just, I just think that Canadians are just a lot more down-to-earth, a lot more humble, and, 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 uh, and, and a lot more honest with themselves a lot of the time. Uh, than this sort of gung-ho, everything's great type attitude that, that, that Trump tries to exude. Um, and and that, that, that is, to a certain extent, contagious, but I think it can backfire if, if you're not leading properly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or suggesting people inject, I don't know, Lysol. <laughs> <laughs> or, or UV lights. I don't even want, I don't even want to get down that, that, that uh, <laughs> but it just, it, it, just, it just shows that that doesn't help the, the recovery, right? No. And, and <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about leadership, both what we're seeing and, and what might be required. I mean, I think even with retail leaders, you know, I'm just thinking that I think there's going to have to be a shift in thinking from analytics uh, or, you know, from past uh, trends to sort of, you know, future forecasting. Uh, what are you seeing in that space? Well, I, I, think, I think it's kind of interesting because I was listening to um, the CEO of Unilever a few weeks ago talk about leadership, and, and, uh, and, and I really liked the model that he was using. And, and I thought maybe it was a little bit dépassé to talk about it now or even write about it because I'm, I'm trying to write something on that, on that side. But I'm getting the sense that as we go into this recovery period, um, we're seeing a new crisis in leadership. I mean, I was just alluding to it in the, in the U.S. example. Um, and then we're seeing exemplary leadership. Uh, you got to ask yourself the question, why are female heads of state totally outperforming 
male heads of state in terms of, 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 of their recovery, right? And, and, and that's got to tell you some things about leadership qualities. And it's not just because they're smaller, it's New Zealand or it's, it's, it's Norway or it's, it's, it's uh, Finland, I don't know if it's Norway or Finland. Um, and I think Iceland's got, uh, you know, but it's also Germany and Taiwan. So they're not, they're not small. And so it's, it's not just culture. It's not just size. It's, it seems to be, uh, there seems to be a gender difference. Now, obviously, there's not statistically representative, but interesting, interesting to note at best. And, and so I see um, a couple of things that, that are going to be important, and, and they're going to continue to be important. One is to master your inner game. So, so, so be the leader that you want to be. And um, just on a personal note, um, battling cancer for, for, for a number of times in the last few years, I, I've really had to work on not necessarily being the leader that I want to be, and I don't pretend to be an extraordinary leader, but to be the person that I want to be. And, and it really works on the four dimensions that I think are important in that, in that, that, uh, that part. One is mental and physical well-being and finding those coping mechanisms, both in me mental and physical well-being, that, that will suit you. So I started keeping a journal, so writing seems to be a way for me to cope and to understand. Um, and to even share it uh, at the time made me see the glass half full instead of the glass half empty. Uh, I do a lot of sports. I do a lot of cooking. Um, but but I, I, I don't pretend to have a magical solution. I think we all have to find our own solutions. I'm doing a lot more meditation and yoga right now um, than, I was, than I was doing in the past. Uh, agility to change and openness to change. Um, you know, I'm relatively fortunate or unfortunate for, you know, fortunate that that I've been forced to change a number of times in my life. So I feel like I'm a cat that's had nine, uh, you know, that's that's somewhere in the seventh of those nine lives. Um, uh, but that's not given to everybody. But we're having no choice. We're being forced into that. Uh, and then resilience. I, I think this is where this is really important because we're. we're I, I think people sort of. I, I think this notion of this is not a sprint. This is not a five-mile jog. This is a marathon, and it may be a series of marathons. Mm. And, um, and I don't pretend to – I think I've developed my resilience. I realize that I don't have the resilience to be a CEO of a big company or the head of Asia for a big company. I just don't have the physical resilience, and those were, that's not where my ambitions lie. But that's a very important characteristic. And the last one, which I think explains where these female leaders are so – powerful is courage and empathy. Um, and it's, it's funny because I, I sort of separated the two, but I think that, um, you know, you get a lot of males that show courage, but they so limited empathy. You know, I'm courageous enough to, to go out in the front and even walk the talk and bring my hundred thousand soldiers. And, and I don't care how many come back as long as we win. Uh, I, I think that that uh, that uh, you know women women have that empathetic maternal nature that that allows them to take courageous decisions. I was just looking at a show called Fauda, which is an Israeli show on 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 the fight between let's say special forces in in in, in Israel and and what would be considered um, uh, terrorists in the Palestinian side. And, and and at one point, the leader of the special ops team on the Israeli side is a woman and she has to take a very courageous decision. She turns around from her team 
sheds tears for 20 seconds, wipes her eyes, turns around, and makes the decision. So I think in all that, that encapsulates this notion of being empathetic at the same time, knowing this is going to hurt, but being courageous enough to make what she considers to be the right decision. Wow. Um, and, and, and then that, that, that's sort of on the inner side, but then it's a question of, you know, it's, it's, it's master your inner game to master your outer game. So to be the leader, you should be. And, and there we have, count, I mean, a lot of examples in terms of, and it starts with communication. You know, being calm, transparent, even with bad news, empathetic, humble. Uh, and, and there we're seeing, you know, the populist leaders uh, uh, like, like, like Donald Trump, uh, like uh, Bolsonaro in Brazil, um, uh, you know, like in Hungary, you know, that are just not you know, showing that level of, I think politicians right now are really showing the way of how you, sh you can behave and how you can't behave. I look in Canada and the U.S., both the biggest hotspots are uh, New York and, 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 and Quebec. Um, you know, both Governor Cuomo and Prime Minister Legault are showing incredible le leadership traits in terms from a communication standpoint. They're calm, they're transparent, even in bad news, because they've, they've got more bad news to report than most. Um, they're empathetic and, and they're humble. So I, I think that that's important. And then the second thing is stabilize your business and, 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 and while taking big bets. So stabilizing the cash flow and at the same time being able to take big bets where you and, and to go fast on those big bets to pivot very quickly. So take the bet, test, see if it works, adapt it if it doesn't, if it really doesn't work, throw it out and move on. And, and I think that that's, that's a big trait. And you can't do it alone. Um, this is a question of collaborating and engaging. And then the last thing I would say is be purposeful. So, so this is a question of doing good for your community, uh, which could be making hand sanitizers, but which could be making a whole bunch of other actions that, that do good for the people around you. And so this notion of really, it's a question of mastering your inner game in order to, to master your outer game, uh, I really think is, is critical. And, and, and I think it's going to last for a while. Uh, it's going to be a real test in leadership. Oh, that's very interesting. I wonder if we'll see some of the uh, retail leaders of an advanced age look to retire or if there's going to be a bit of an acceleration around even employees uh, uh, retiring around all of this. I mean, some of this is exhausting as it is, but we may see leadership uh, shifts, uh, you know, for one reason or another, uh, you know, post COVID, whatever that will be. Yeah, I, th I think, I don't know. I don't know. It depends on how, how that those people are, are managing their businesses, right? If, uh, uh, you know, if I look at somebody like Aldo Bensadun, who's a very caring individual who put love as one of his three main values, hmm. um, uh, you know, his son is, 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 is showing great, traits as a leader. So I don't think that that's going to happen soon. But if, 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 if I look at, you know, you know, it wouldn't su surprise me that, that, that people want somebody like that to come back. Uh, I'm not saying this for David, but I'm saying this more generally for, for, for just as an example, um, because he's showing empathy, trust, and, and, and retail is a lot about family. Mm. Um, you know, I, 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 I've got to think that for retailers and, and restaurants and, and it was probably, you know, especially the, the small and medium sized one, it had to have been the most heartbreaking decision of their lives to let go or, or furlough or, or employees or, or, 
know, and and I'm not imagining. I'm talking to retailers that are telling me exactly that. I really think that they've been there, you know, for lifetimes and in certain instances. So, um, I'm not sure that it's the old. I think the older generations sometimes might be a lot more empathetic in this in this situation than 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 because they've they've been there and they've they've gone through hard times and um, and and it's their family. Oh yeah, yeah. It's their it's their grandchildren. It's their whatever. So. Yeah. And tell me a bit about what the uh, Benzedin School of uh, Retail Management is doing at McGill University in Montreal. I think some stuff is coming up. Well, I think I think I think um, you know we're trying to we're trying to figure out. Uh, I mean, I think it's. Imp- I think the first and the f- most important thing that for us as a, a university environment was to finish the term properly. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that that's coming to an end. And I think we pivoted online pretty well, um, even in our, in our retail courses, which I think had the advantage of being the easiest ones, because a lot of them you could invite guest speakers and they would talk about what's happening. And, and it was an easy way to engage online. Um, at, at the same time, you know, there's a lot of academics that are doing things in the background in terms of, of, of research and, and, and consulting work. Um, if I take a professor like Professor Maxim Cohen, uh, he, he's doing work on, on, on promotion, pricing, optimization, referrals, and, and stuff like that, and working with a number of companies as, as we speak in writing about it. Um, uh, a professor of marketing called Ash, uh, I have to look at his name, Murkeshi, I'm sorry if I've Ash, if I've bastardized your name, but he, 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 he's talking about the internet effect during the time of the coronavirus. So I think that that's, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and there's a piece on retail, obviously, in, in that it's, it's a more broad piece on, on, on internet. Um, and then there's, you know, pieces, thought leadership pieces, like what I was trying to write, um, where we, we, can make, we can make a difference. And then we're trying to think of what we can help as the economy um, now starts to open up and, and, and do it in a way that uh, that is complementary to what uh, you know McKinsey or, or Accenture can do in terms of uh, surveys and, 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 and consulting work and and what uh, the Retail Council of Canada or the Quebec Retail Federation can do as, as, as uh, umbrella organizations for, for retail is uh, do what we you know, where we can make a difference, and that probably is in student competitions um, to help retailers that, you know, maybe can afford a McKinsey or, or an Accenture or, um, uh, and, 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 and there the great thing about it is that, you know, we can also help students build the business cases uh, for the competitions because we're going to have streams, hopefully. Um, and then, and, and, and then secondly, getting students, getting some experiential learning, uh, through the competition. And we're going to try and run that across Canada at the beginning and then see whether we can, we can expand it, uh, knowing that students don't have, uh, don't all have internships this summer. A lot of them are postponed, canceled. Um, and so this is a great opportunity for them to get some experiential experience on real live cases. These people are really, the retailers that we're trying to get involved in this are really keen to see what students are gonna, are gonna say to them and they need the help. Um, 
uh, and uh, and maybe that'll turn into internships or, or being able to accelerate those projects into real ideas, implementable solutions. So we're pretty excited about that. And we're also trying to see maybe an executive education, which we hadn't really completely launched to see what we can do in that space moving forward. Excellent. Uh, in terms of the future of, um, you know, retail as a career, uh, uh, I, I'm just speculating, but uh, I'm thinking, you know, there may be a bit more of a focus, say, on the, you know, e-commerce or omni-channel, if we still call it that component versus, you know, a fairly heavy physical retail component. Uh, uh, I wonder if you have any insights into, you know, what the future of retail as a career might be. We have some really great schools across the country, including the Benzedun School of Retail, that are promoting this. And, you know, we are seeing a bit of a shift here right now, uh, you know, with retail in Canada. Well, I, 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 you know, if, if I go back to the first question, what was retail like pre-COVID? It was one of the most innovative sectors in the world. If you took Fast Company's rankings of the top, you know, 20 fastest growing, they had their, their rankings are top 50, but to, let's say you look at the top 20 and you look at, you know, how many companies were in retail and retail uh, uh, related in uh, industries, probably 10 years ago, you know, it might've been zero, maybe Amazon at the time, right? Or Alibaba, but now it's Alibaba, Amazon, Target, Walmart, Patagonia, Shopify, uh, Sephora, uh, Lululemon, um, you know, those, those, uh, are, 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 uh, you know, so, so there's exciting opportunities in retail and retail was transforming itself and, 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 and needed to up its game across the board in order to, to excel. It was no longer being average was good enough. And these two extremes are of, of, of convenient efficiency and convenience and experience I think are going to stay and and you're going to need to be excellent in both those spaces if you are or, sorry in either one of those spaces if you want to continue to excel and in order to do that you need really good talent and I don't think that retail will go away I, I assume that that we're going to move towards an omni-channel world and we already were moving to an omni-channel world we're probably accelerating that uh, even further yeah, um, so I think um, I, I don't see uh, uh, if I take a Bon Look or a Warby Parker, I, I, I don't see them necessarily abandoning their uh, retail spaces uh, as soon as they open. They might close some, slow down the expansion of their network, but I would still assume that they're going to use these physical spaces to uh, to express the brand and the experience that it can deliver and 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 build a loyalty and, and acquire eventually new customers. And, and if I look at it on the flip side, this, this COVID crisis is probably accelerating um, physical retailers' ability to, to go online and be relevant and, 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 and do things. And all that, in my view, bodes well for, for new skills, new careers, and students with those types of, types of skills. I, 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 I think um, you know clearly data analytics. Data analytics skills will be really critical as we move forward. Anything to do with digital will be really important. But I also think anything to do with branding, experience, retail will be also incredibly critical. And and uh, and 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 people are just going to have to be a lot stronger than they were before. And to do that, you're going to need talent. So I think I think I think there's a real space for people that are developing that kind of a talent uh, dedicated to that industry. Thank you so much, Charles de Brabant. He's the executive director of the Benzedun School of Retail, which is located at McGill University in wonderful Montreal, one of my favorite cities in the entire world. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Greg, for having me on.
It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and uh, take care and stay safe.